The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. I am back. It has been a week since you have heard from me, but I am back. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And of course, it's another post-match type of episode tonight. It is exactly 1 a.m. right now on the East Coast of the United States, and we are fresh off the Gold Cup Final. And let me tell you, I know how you all feel about the Gold Cup because last week was the lowest rated, least downloaded episode I have ever put out in my nearly three, almost four years of podcasting. (laughs) It was the smallest audience that ever came out. Um, Sounds like you guys are not that interested in this competition, but I have a responsibility to talk about it here tonight. Special hello to anybody watching at this very late hour. Uh, whether you're watching on Periscope, on YouTube, or on Facebook. Uh, thank you again for all of the support. Thank you for watching. Um, it is a pleasure to come to you. It is no longer Sunday night. It's now Monday morning here, but it is post-Gold Cup, post-match. The USA have lifted the title. It was quite an upset, and I have to say this is one of the dark, dark days in the history of Mexican football. No question about it. If you are Tata Martino right now, you have to think that your time is up. You are not allowed to lose two finals to the United States in the same summer. This one, worst of all, because you lost to the United States' B team. Let's call it what it is. It is a B team. And maybe that's even being generous. No, Mexico is missing a couple players, but that's their own fault. Mexico's missing Diego Lainez, Henry Martin, Memo Ochoa, for their own fault because they over-prioritized the Olympics, okay? They over-prioritized a tournament that does not mean much in the terms of global football. Yes, it means a lot to the players that are there. The opportunity to represent your country at the Olympic Games is always a big opportunity, but in the big scope of world football and in the scope of, of the international game, that tournament's not even a senior-level tournament. And to think that Mexico weakened their side, and it was arrogance. They thought they would win this tournament going away because they knew the United States was not going to have Christian Pulisic. They knew the United States was not going to have Weston McKinney. They knew the United States was not going to have Tyler Adams, among others. Okay, this is literally almost an entirely different roster than the one that won 
the CONCACAF Nations League, okay? And let me tell you, I know, you know, there's debate about this. I've been following it on Twitter. I watched my friends earlier tonight on Better Than Dot Vegas on BTV, you know, uh, Pitches and Pints, great show. Uh, shout out to those guys, to, to Leo, to Biho, and to Sam, who who debuted on the show tonight. Um Leo was was very, very adamant about this being about development and not being about winning. And I agree with them that from a U.S. standpoint, this was about development. And But this is a big step in development, okay? This group of players, everyone was going crazy when the United States did not qualify for the Olympic Games, right? They said, oh, we're missing out on a big, cha- a big opportunity to play on a high stage. You know what? Tonight, in front of 65,000 in Las Vegas, 65. Thousand of which were Mexico fans. This young U.S. team gained way more experience, and they learned a lot more, and they got a much, a much uh, more valuable experience, dare I say, than they would have gotten going to Tokyo and playing in empty stadiums against other B squads. They played an A squad for the most part. Okay. Three quarters of an A squad at the very least for Mexico, for El Tri, for Tata Martino tonight. And the United States, this young, young USB team. And let's be honest, let's be real. Very few of these guys are going to be in the picture for for Qatar 2022. I don't think many of them are even going to be in the picture for, you know, the North American World Cup 2026. Um, I don't see it. I think that a lot of these guys, this is the pinnacle of their international career. So good for them. I'm happy for them for that reason, that this is probably the highest some of these guys are going to reach internationally. But it's a big pool. And a number of these guys did make a mark in this in this tournament, especially tonight. Um, if you're Kellen Acosta, you made a name for yourself, and you reminded the Tyler Adams of the world to keep their game up because, uh, well, you know, he he he's not going to play ahead of Tyler Adams in that midfield. But if Berhalter decides to go to a three-man back line and a right wing back and he decides to go with Tyler Adams at wing back for some reason, well, then Acosta's the next guy that comes in. And tonight's final was about two guys, one on each side for me. Um, well, I shouldn't say that, but at least the midfield battle was a good one. Two very good central midfielders tonight. Kellen Acosta for the United States, Edson Alvarez for Mexico, and Edson Alvarez is maybe my favorite player on Mexico. I I'm gonna say he is one of my favorites. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player, and he was he was fantastic throughout this tournament. He was Mexico's best player, in my opinion. Uh, so much skill, so much power, so much vision in Edson Alvarez. Um, and and how about that professional foul? Something that the U.S. team still needs needs to learn how to do. But he was good. But in the end, the United States get the goal in a match that, in my opinion, displayed the worst final third play I have seen all summer, especially for a big match for a match of this level. This was really, really poor in the final third from both teams. It was a good match. It was an entertaining match, but it was not well played. In my opinion, it was very sloppy. Defensively, both teams were very sloppy. We'll get into that in just a minute. But I think I have to say here, and this may upset, I think this might upset Leo if he's listening, if he's watching right now at this late hour. Big thank you to anyone watching right now. It is very late, I understand. Um, so big thank you for staying up. Even if you're on the West Coast, it's getting late. It is Sunday night out there. But um, 
one thing I think that needs to be done now is the Greg Berhalter criticism has to go. The man has proven himself this summer. Two competitions, two finals, two victories in finals, two trophies, with almost two entirely separate rosters. He's managed well in these matches. He's made good substitutions. He's outmanaged Tata Martino twice now. One of the Mexican Mexico fans on Facebook in the MLS group, which is a group that readily annoys me, but I'll be honest, made a good point today. He goes, well, it looked like the United States made the right decision going Berhalter over Martino. I wanted Tata Martino as the USA's manager. I didn't, I'm not hiding that. I won't hide that. I was vocal about that at the time, but I think twice now he has outmanaged Tata Martino. Congrats to Greg Berhalter. Um, there's still a lot to go, a long way to go for this U.S. team. But I, for one, am very excited for the octagonal octagonal final um, in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying coming up this fall. And um, it's going to go fast. It's three matches per international window. And I think what we saw tonight especially is that there's a whole nother slew of players that he can choose from. He can make a very, very deep roster when you have that kind of fixture congestion. And um, a lot of the CONCACAF uh, teams are not, at this point, going to have fans in their stadium. The United States will have an easier time going to Central America, I think, in this in this cycle. Um, I think things are looking good for this team. I'm not saying that they're there yet. There's still a lot of work to do. Uh, again, a lot of mistakes in this match tonight. We're going to talk about the lineups in just a minute. But also tonight on the podcast here, uh, we're also going to catch up to speed on Brasileirão action on Liga Argentina and Liga Emekis. They're all going on right now. And Liga Emekis rosters are absolutely depleted if you're one of the big sides. You've got teams at the Gold Cup. You've got teams at the Olympics. I can't believe Tigres allowed... Uh, uh, Andre Pierre Gignac to go to the Olympics to represent France. I can't believe they allowed that. I can't believe America allowed Memo Ochoa uh, and Henry Martin to go to, to the Olympics. Um, baffles me. It baffles me. But again, in, in the Americas and in Africa and in Asia, the Olympic Games hold a higher standard. The football tournament at the Olympic Games hold a higher standard. Um for me, the Olympics are about track and field. That's that's the sport I watch at the Olympics. That's what I'm DVRing. I've got hours and hours worth of it. Um, but the football is is less interesting. To, I'm not interested really in the Olympic tournament for football. I'm going to be completely honest. I think next week I'll probably recap it because we'll have the gold medal matches and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. But tonight um, we're sticking with Gold Cup. Uh, Brasileirão, Liga Argentina, and Liga MX. Uh, you see there on the screen, if you are watching, I am using my personal Twitter handle now. So that is at Mike Agustinho. That is, so follow me now on Twitter at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O at Mike Agustinho. All right, go ahead over to Twitter and give me a follow. And um, we're going to get right into this match. And let's look at the lineups now. I'm going to pull them up and read them off for you. We're going to start with Mexico. This match, of course, played in Las Vegas um, in the Raiders Stadium. I don't know wh who has the corporate uh, naming rights. It doesn't matter. For me, it's the LA Raiders Stadium. Um, nice brand new stadium. Nice grass pitch. That And um, it's a closed stadium. It's a domed roof, which is good because it's about 110 degrees at, <laughs> at the time um, the match kicked off tonight. Uh, out there in Las Vegas. But here is the team that Tata Martino sent out in a 4-3-3. 38-year-old Alfredo Talavera was the goalkeeper. 
Four across the back, of course, Luis Rodriguez, Nestor Arajo, Hector Moreno, and Jesus Gallardo are the four in the back. Three in midfield, anchored, of course, by the guy I talked about on the top, Edson Alvarez of AFC Ajax in the Dutch Eredivisie, former Club America uh, midfielder. And he's got he's got Atletico Madrid's Hector Herrera to his right and the LA Galaxy's Jonathan Dos Santos to his left. And the three in attack, strong attacking uh, trio. Didn't look like it today, but a lot of talent in this attacking trio. The striker is Monterrey's uh, Rogelio Funes Mori, the naturalized Mexican, of course, born in Mendoza, Argentina, raised in Dallas, Texas, United States of America, former FC Dallas youth player. Um, he gets the start now that he, in his seventh cap for Mexico tonight. Orbelin Pineda is to his right and Porto's uh, Tecatito Corona to his left for the United States. They go with the New England Revolutions. Matt Turner in goal tonight. And I think the United, we're returning to the days. I do have to say this before I continue with the lineup. We're returning to the days of the United States being stacked at goalkeeper. We had a lull there. Yes, we had Tim Howard, but then after that, there was a big drop-off. We got three solid goalkeepers in the U.S. Uh, national team picture now with Zach Steven, Ethan Horvath, and now Matt Turner clearly establishing himself at the very least as the number three. Alexi Lalas thinks he's the number one. Alexi Lalas is also in outer space most of the time, um, and Alexi Lalas loves to, to say outrageous things because he loves to play on the, on the, um, just he loves to be cynical and he loves to grab headlines, loves to be you know verbal clickbait. Uh, that is Alexi Lalas for you. So I don't take what he says seriously about almost anything. Okay, he's he's very uh, he wants to be very spectacular, and he's a bit over the top. I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit on calling Matt Turner the number one over Zach Steffen or even Ethan Horvath, but he's definitely far and away the number three now. He's the third goalkeeper, and he was phenomenal in this in this Gold Cup, especially tonight. He made fantastic saves all night. Um, so the four in their four three three for Greg Berhalter, he decided to go with four three three as well. Bovista's Reggie Cannon is the right back. James Sands and Atlanta United's Miles Robinson. Shout out to Miles Robinson, native Boston, Massachusetts. Local kid for me, Miles Robinson, former FC Greater Boston Bolts player, um, former Syracuse Orange player. Uh, he he gets the start alongside James Sands. George Bello is the left back. The three in midfield anchored by the guy I said was maybe the United. I think he was the United States best player on the pitch. There were a few choices tonight. But for me, the USA's best player is Kellen Acosta of the of the Colorado Rapids. He anchored the midfield. Sebastian Legette to his left. Eric Williamson to his right. And in attack, strange a strange uh, change. I think DK is replaced in this one by Greg Berhalter. He opts to go with with Jazzy Zardes and um, well. Like for like switch, I, I would have preferred to see DK. He's got more upside than Zardes at this point. But Greg Berhalter goes for the experience in this one. It is a final after all. Perhaps that's why Berhalter went with Reggie Cannon over Shaq Moore as well. Shaq Moore has played virtually all the minutes at right back all tournament and has been phenomenal. And another position where I think the United States is stacked, especially the fact that these guys are all young with, with now Serginho Dest, Reggie Cannon and Shaq Moore. You, I think you have three right backs for the next decade, possibly there for the United States. Um, it, it, that's a position where they are really, and even Tyler Adams is used often as a right back as well. That 
they are loaded in that position. Um, something it's a good problem for the manager to have for Greg Berhalter to have. Um, again, Zardes gets the start as the striker. Matthew Hoppy to his left, the captain. Paul Ariola to his right. So again, we talked about it. Okay, Mexico came out flying. Mexico should have won this match. Mexico had more than enough chances to win this match. They did not do it, okay? Right in the first minute, Matt Turner gets the ball, takes a heavy touch when it's passed back to him. Uh, it gets taken by Funes Mori, and to me, it looked like Matt Turner took Funes Mori down, okay? As somebody, I and I will say right now, I am a USA fan. I'm a fan of this USA team. However... I'm a fan of this Mexican team as well. Okay. I follow the Mexican league. I follow Mexican football close enough that I do have a, a feeling towards this team, if you will. Okay. I don't get caught up in the rivalry. Okay. I don't have, you know, a, a dislike for one or the other. I want to see both teams do well. I know that's not common, but I'm not a diehard of, of the United States. I am a fan, but I also have a, an appreciation for Mexican football. Uh, given how closely I follow it and how much of it I watch all year round. Um, so I do have a little bit of an attachment to this Mexico team as well. That allows me to look at this game very, very objectively, in my opinion. And to me, objectively, that's a penalty kick against Matt Turner. He does catch Funes Mori. I don't know why the referee did not go to VAR on this one. In fact, maybe the VAR did review it, but Fox, in their production of this match, okay, doesn't tell us anything. When you watch the Euro and you heard me come on here night after night during Euro 2020 and in Copa America as well that was going on simultaneously, when the referee or when the VAR official is reviewing a play, it would say on the screen under review, right? VAR is checking or, you know, goal check, whatever. We didn't get any of that from Fox. Yeah, you might go to Dr. Joe or whatever his name is, but again, I don't understand how this very first play in the very first minute of the match does not go to VAR. We saw in the final of the CONCACAF Nations League, the VAR came into play hugely. VAR gave the United States a penalty kick, overturned a goal for Mexico. Okay, that made a difference. United States won that match because VAR was there. Yes, the decisions were correct from VAR, but if it were not there, it would have been a different result. Tonight, it doesn't look like they went to VAR. I don't know if it was out of fear. I don't know if it was out of... I I don't know, okay? A very pro-Mexico crowd, and I must say, I didn't hear the chant tonight. I don't know. If someone heard it, let me know. But I didn't hear it, so I want to give an applause, you know, and applaud the, the pro-Mexico crowd in Las Vegas tonight for that. You don't want to see your team kicked out of the World Cup. You don't want to see Mexico stripped of hosting rights for 2026 because of a chant. It's just time to knock it off. I know it came up in Texas on on Thursday against Me against Canada. I have enough Canadian friends that heard it that told me. Um, I didn't stay up for that one Thursday night. That was a 10 o'clock Eastern time kickoff, and I've, I've already ranted about the late kickoffs. Tonight's another one. It was a 9 o'clock kickoff that was advertised at 8.30 p.m. When it did kick off at 9. Again, that is all Fox is doing. CONCACAF's allowing Fox to do whatever they want um, as the major media part but be interesting to see what the tv numbers are for this it'll i may be able to have that for you next next sunday night i don't know but um but again i don't know where the var was on this decision okay there were a couple of the mexico looked for three penalties in the first 10 minutes um i think they were stretching on on a couple of them but 
on this one for me this was a penalty but play continues okay and um again just Paul Ariola had one of the best chances in the first half he completely squandered it he he completely squandered it uh the United States should have gone in leading with that said Mexico should have led as well both of these neither one of these teams should have been scoreless going into the halftime whistle okay going into the team room at halftime but they both went in nil-nil. Um, again, second half, same thing. Mexico had more possession. I'm seeing a lot of Mexico fans talk about the possession. If you listen to this podcast, if you watch this podcast regularly, you know my views on possession. That tells you nothing. This match didn't – possession wasn't the difference. It was missed opportunities by both sides that was the difference. The United States finally got one in extra time. Um, again, Kellen Acosta was phenomenal in this match, okay? He was fantastic, cutting out passes, breaking down passing lanes, pressing the ball, uh, just reading the play, distributing out of midfield. I really liked Kellen Acosta in this match, and I really liked Edson Alvarez at the other side as well for for Mexico. Uh, Mexico sorely missing Diego Lainez tonight. We saw in the CONCACAF Nations League how he came on and made a difference. The United States could not defend him. They did not have a defender that could stay with him 1v1. Tonight, Mexico lacked that player that could do that. I think Funes Mori was very disappointing tonight for L3. Okay, he is a guy who scores goals at will in Liga Mekis, okay, for for Monterrey. And part of the reason they naturalized him was that was his his just ability to go score goals. And for the United States, if there's one thing about this generation, and I'm not labeling them a golden generation, that's a stupid label that does nothing but create expectations and put unneeded pressure on young players and it, it it stains them for the rest of their careers okay we've seen it with belgium we saw it with portugal a generation ago we've seen it with england okay there's no need to in mexico as well the mexico uh the chicharito the carlos belas that won youth world cups were labeled a golden generation and it has done them no good at the senior level they won olympic gold as well if you want to continue the youth dominance from U17, U20, and then U23. So they've won at every youth level. They didn't. They haven't won at the senior level. They're they're in a real bad spot right now. Mexico is in a real, real bad place right now, in my opinion. Heading into the octagonal, um, the the World Cup qualifying. I don't think they have any trouble. They're gonna have any trouble qualifying, but I don't think they're playing well. They lost tonight. Not because they're not the better team, because they're by far a better team. They lost because their poor form carried them into this match. And their poor form continued through the 120 minutes. They missed chance after chance after chance in front of goal. They shouldn't have been in this final. Let's be honest. Canada was robbed. They were concacaf on Thursday. And it showed tonight that Mexico shouldn't have been here. They squandered way too many opportunities. Okay? Way too many opportunities. If we're facing Canada tonight and you've got Kyle Lahren and and you've got Cavallini up front, you know what? Canada converts one of those opportunities. And Canada probably wins this game in 90 minutes. So the United States, as nice as this is, I don't want to get too high about it. Okay? I don't want to be up here. This is a good accomplishment for this group of players and for this manager. It's a good accomplishment. But let's not get carried away here. Okay? And start thinking that we have two national teams that can win CONCACAF. This was. On the night, we won. Yes. But let's keep this grounded. We are a long way from a finished product. This team is young. Remember that the target is is 2026 and not 2022. 
We have to be there in 2022. That's a step along the way, but that's not the the pro, That's not the target. Um, so again, I I'm happy with what they did tonight. Okay, I'm not overly ecstatic. I'm not overly jubilant. I'm not. I'm not to the moon with this. Okay, and it just says how small this this region, how poor the region is when winning your regional championship is is not cause for overexcitement. Okay. Let's remember that the, the region, the CONCACAF, wanted these two teams in the final. Can you imagine if we had a USA-Canada final tonight in Las Vegas with only 20,000 in, in the stands or 30,000 without the 60,000 Mexico supporters? Why do you think Canada got concacaf The proof is in the pudding. It, it was right there. Now, and why do you think, again, CONCACAF does not come down with any disciplinary action on Mexico for the chant. Okay, tonight is an exp- is a great example. Anyone that was there, by the way, give me a shout. Tell me how much tickets cost tonight um, and what the atmosphere was like. It looked awesome. The only thing is, man, and I say this, I said this after Denver. I said this after the Nations League final. I expect more from this Mexican crowd. Where is the singing? Where is the atmosphere? Oh, and... Shouting Olays in the hundred and twelfth minute in a nil-nil match, and they're shouting Olays for passes connected in their in their defensive third. Come on, Mexico fans, do better. I have to keep saying this. Where are the songs? Where's the trumpet? Where is that atmosphere we know from Mexico? Maybe the musical instruments are not allowed in. Probably not. U.S. stadiums, I don't think, allow them in. But where are the songs? Where Where is the jumping up and down? Where is the the, the good chance? Where were they tonight? Again, where were they in Denver? These, Mex- these Mexican-American fans got to get better. Listen, they are exploited. No question about it. They're getting ripped off by their own federation, by the Confederation of CONCACAF by U.S. Soccer, by Soccer United Marketing. Okay, they are a prime demographic. They are a target audience, but they are being ripped off. I'm sure you paid a lot of money for that final, for the tickets tonight in Las Vegas. Had it been United States versus Canada, you would have seen tickets going for $10 or $15. No question about it. I was hoping for that. I was rooting for that because I I love when CONCACAF loses money. I'm going to be honest. CONCACAF, like I said, runs like a cartel, and they have millions of tiny islands they have to pay off in order to keep their power. But back to the football, okay? The match ends nil-nil after 90 minutes. Um, we'll go through the match facts real quick. Uh, 65th minute, Verhalter made a triple substitution. Again, this new fad in in football, whether it's international or club, the subbing outside backs, Reggie Cannon is off. Shaq Moore is on. Shaq Moore's had a fantastic tournament, like I said. Samuel Vines is on for George Bello and Christian Roldan of Seattle Sounders, one of the best American goal scorers in the Major League Soccer right now and over the last several seasons, replaces Sebastian Leggett for Tata Martino. He brought in Carlos Salcedo in the 44th minute because Hector Moreno was injured. On the 76th, on came Eric Gutierrez for Yona Dos Santos. And Rodolfo Pizarro replaced Orbelin Pineda, who had a disappointing outing for me tonight. He's been good in other matches. He was not that good tonight. Um, 87th minute, two more changes for the United States. Nicholas Giaucini comes on. I know they say Giochini on TV. It's Giaucini. 
uh, uh, Giacchini, I should say. Uh, he comes on, and Gianluca Busio, who had been a starter this entire tournament, uh, was swapped to the bench today. He replaces Eric Williamson. More substitutions for Mexico in extra time. Osvaldo Rodriguez replaces Tecatito Corona. Another a disappointing match for him as well. Usually he comes up big against the United States. Tecatito nowhere to be found tonight. Uh, Gilberto Sepulveda replaces Sal Carlos Salcedo, who came on. So uh, Tata Martino does the he does his best his best Gareth Southgate impersonation tonight by subbing a player on and then subbing him off in extra time. Perhaps penalty kicks were the were the thought process. That's where the thought process came from. Perhaps that was the inspiration for that substitution. But he came off. Also, uh, Alan Pulido came on for Rogelio Funes Mori in the hundred and sixth. So we get to that, and then Kellen Acosta gets a. He gets a yellow card in the 113th. And, I, you know, I have to say this because I praised him for the professional foul. That's Edson Alvarez, of course. Forgetting that that foul is directly what led to the USA goal. It was in the 117th. Alvarez fouls uh, Giaucini. And ensuing, uh, ensuing set piece, Kellen Acosta. Delivers a beautiful ball into the box. And like I said, the Boston, Massachusetts native, Atlanta United center back, Miles Robinson gets his fourth international goal, gets a header. He beats, he beats Talaveda, the Mexican goalkeeper. And the United States take the lead three minutes from the end of extra time. And they celebrated with that small pocket of U.S. fans there behind the goal. Um, fantastic. Just great fight and great grit from this team tonight, okay? These players played to the top of their ability. If nothing else, you have to be very proud of that. Again, I don't believe that a lot of these players are, have real futures as regulars in the national team. Some of them may come in and out for, as squad players for depth, okay? But I don't see many of them passing the likes of their counterparts that played in, in June that, that won the Nations League. I don't see anybody here displacing Weston McKinney or Christian Pulisic or or Tyler Adams when he's fit or replacing, you know, again, Serginho Dest is almost a, a lock at right back right now. Um, Just this is a deep team, and I think what they did do that's well is they reminded that other squad to keep it up if they want to stay in the first team. And that's a good problem for Greg Berhalter to have going forward. But there's one glaring problem with this generation. And yes, we won tonight. Yes, we won in the Nations League. But we lack a true striker, an out-and-out -out striker, a goal scorer in, that can play high in the pitch, that can, that can get between the other team's defenders center backs that can really really that's the missing piece in this generation is that guy that can finish you saw tonight how poor the quality was in the final third i think you all saw it the finishing quality was poor i think that that player is still missing now is he out there is there is there a dual national out there that qualifies perhaps I mean, we've done a great job 
since the Jurgen Klinsmann days and continuing to Greg Berhalter in finding these 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 dual nationals and bringing them in. Um, a striker is so necessary, I think. Zardes is not the answer. Perhaps DK is the answer. I don't know. I think there's still we still need an out-and-out finisher, a guy who can score on half a chance. Guy who only needs half a chance. Be interesting to see if that guy appears either through the youth ranks coming up in the next five years, going into 2026, or if we find somebody somewhere that qualifies and that can come in and make that difference. But that, ladies and gentlemen, the whistle blows out 120 minutes plus three. The United States wins another trophy. They win the Gold Cup, and they lift the trophy tonight. Paul Ariola lifts the trophy, and Matt, uh, the USA double. They win the double. They win the CONCACAF double. This is huge going into World Cup qualifying um, in terms of momentum. They got the Nations League, and now they got the Gold Cup. We got everything from Mexico. Okay, Mexico's pissed right now. Mexico are going home. They're not. They're going to be ridiculed by their fans. They're going to be ridiculed by their media. In fact, I can't wait to turn on to the NA tomorrow and, or later tonight and see what they're saying, see what their reaction is. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of calls for for removing Tata Martino. Of course, you got an injury to to Chicharito Hernandez. You know, to Javier Hernandez, Chicharito. But where's Carlos Vela? Why is Carlos Vela not in this team? Among other guys, okay. The I know you also have an unfortunate in, in, uh, injury to Chucky Lozano, but I can't wait for the octagonal. When these teams are at full strength, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what the U.S. best eleven, the Mexican best eleven, the Canadian best eleven, Costa Rica best eleven, all take the pitch. I think it's going to be maybe the most competitive Concacaf. Uh, qualifying ever. Okay. There are three places plus one, I believe. Yeah. There's three places for automatics and then one playoff spot. If I'm not mistaken, going to be ultra competitive. Okay. The United States needs to be there though. They can't take it for granted like they did four years ago. Okay. Leo said on his show, congratulations. You won the gold cup, you know, but what good does that do when we lose to Trinidad and Tobago again? He's right. Can have have that happen again. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think this team is much more mature. They've got a lot of valuable experience playing overseas, and these MLS guys provide valuable depth. Again, just need a striker. We're all set at goalkeeper, I think. The back line, I think when everybody's in it, is going to be good. The back line was very, very good in the Nations League. Even though they weren't so good in this competition, they were very good in the Nations League. And I'm looking forward again to this World Cup qualifying, this octagonal, octagonal, however you say it, <laughs> World Cup qualifying campaign. All right, I'm going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to check in uh, with the Brazilian League, with the Brasileiro, and we're going to see uh, see what's going on down there. It has been a, like a month and a half since I've talked to Brasileiro, so we're going to look in and see how those teams are doing. I'll be right back. Okay, this is going to be a real quick 30-second bre uh, break here, and I will be right back to talk Brasileiro here on the Parking the Bus a podcast on the PTB Media Network. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB 
Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. All right, we are back here on the PTB Media Network, back on YouTube, Periscope, and on Facebook. This is Parking the Bus, episode 67. We're going to Brazil now. We are in round 14 in Brazil. Some things have changed. Uh, We've had, and I actually have notes here, we have some changes that I wrote down that I want to talk to you about tonight. And uh, some coaching changes have happened as well, a major one in one of the big clubs. I'm talking, of course, about the champions, Flamengo, new manager. That's right, Rogério Ceni out after a poor start. And Renato Gaúcho is in, the former Flamengo player, the former Grêmio manager who had a well-documented, well, uh, well-covered, um, well-covered, a well-covered uh, rivalry with Jorge Zajuz. We got a we got a comment here. I'm going to throw this comment up before we move on. And Parley uh, Pro Fresh says, "I'll go first of all to his first comment." He says, "A fantastic." This is wrapping up the last segment. Fantastic for the USA B squad to win the World Cup. Of pretty much the entire USA starting eleven, uh, choosing not to play should temper people's celebrations. I don't know that they chose. Some of them may have chose not to play. Some of them were not allowed to play by their club teams. Um, very few club teams are going to allow anybody to play two two tournaments in the same summer. That is very, very rare. You are seeing it this year, surprisingly, with a couple guys on Spain as well and on Brazil, for example. Richarlson and uh, Pedri are two big names that played in both their, their tournament, their senior tournament, and now are playing in the Olympics. Um, it, it, I Again, to, to close what I was saying, I think that it was – a good sign that the depth is there. Um, but in closing, I have to say it's more of a failure from Mexico. I don't want to take credit away from this United States team. I don't want to take away from anything. They 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 worked hard and they, they earned this achievement. But they earned it because Mexico did not do what they were supposed to. And they, they took this lightly. And in the end, I think Mexico failed more than anything else. But... Again, um, moving on, we're going to go back to Brazil now. That's just that. That's how I saw it. But moving on to Brazil now. Uh, again, Renato Gaúcho replacing Rogério Ceni at the head of Flamengo. And his first match was in the Copa Libertadores. And we may have talked about this real quickly last week. Uh, he, got, he got a victory. And as you know, uh, Flamengo advanced past Defensa Justicia of Argentina, the, the current Copa Sudamericana winners. Um, as I'm getting, a, I'm getting a few more, I'm getting a few more comments. Uh, I'm going to put them up here for you. Parlay Profesh is here as well. Set, said perfectly, great for the USA backups, but Mexico lost more than the USA won. I agree. Yeah, that exactly. Um, he's got yeah. And this this comment I'm going to put up there. Bragantino, don't sleep on him. I agree. I have been hyping <laughs> Red Bull Bragantino since the beginning of the season. I thought I was big on him last year. Uh, when they qualified for Copa Sudamericana, and I knew that Red Bull was going to invest some more money, and they were going to put, they were going to get some more young guys in there. Okay, they got some guys away at the Olympics. When they come back, they're going to be stronger as well. Um, they've been off to a flying start. They have cooled a little bit, but that's also because 
They're playing Copa Sudamericana. They advanced in Copa Sudamericana. They knocked out Independiente del Valle in uh, the round of 16. They advanced to the quarterfinals, um, that, which start later this week. So next week we'll be talking about that. Um, but yes, Bragantino and, and Atletico Paranaense are two teams I'm very, very high on in the Brasileirão this year. And of course, you've got Palmeiras off to a great start. I Like I said, aside from the coaching change, as um, I do have a note here that Bragantino and, and Atletico Paranaense have, have cooled a little bit. Okay, they have cooled down just a little bit here. But again, they they are doing phenomenally right now. And the Brazilian league goes down to the last week, okay? And it's not uncommon to see a team in the lead. Like last year, we saw Atlético Mineiro in the lead for, for seven, eight weeks. We saw Sao Paulo in the lead for seven or eight weeks. And at the end, they were in fourth and fifth. So, again, Flamengo got as low as like 14th last year. They started off horribly. And on the final day, they were the ones to lift the trophy. This league is very balanced. Okay, there are legitimately seven or eight teams that can that can compete for this title, and it's going to go down to the end. Um, but the the fixture congestion, I think, is is catching up to these two teams that uh, I'm so high on these two sleepers, if you will, um, Bragantino and Atlético Paranaense. Okay, they're not as deep, but they had a very good. Uh, they have a very good squad playing in the Sudamericana, both of them. There's a good chance they're going to meet in that final of that Sudamericana. They're going to avoid each other till the final. And um, I think they're the two best teams in that in that tournament right now. So it could we'll see how they manage the fixture congestion. Um, Brazilian teams tend to not do well with fixture congestion. The managers tend to choose one or the other. Uh, and Renato Gaúcho is known. Now that he's at Flamengo, he's not going to be allowed to do this, but he is known his time at Grêmio. He never won the Brazilian title because he always put so much focus on the Libertadores. He won the Copa Libertadores, never won the Brasileirão because he would he would just rotate the squad in the league and they could never they were good enough to finish third, fourth, fifth, but never good enough to lift the trophy at the end of the season. Let's see what he does with Flamengo going forward. He's off to a great start. They've won six straight now, or seven straight now if you count today in all competitions. Fortaleza also are a team nobody was up on, you know, nobody expected much from, but they are key, still keeping pace while Palmeiras are on fire and they have won. They had won nine straight in all competitions. Let me double check. Uh, they did finally drop points this weekend, but they had won nine straight in all competitions. They are the league leaders. All right, let's look at the fixtures and the results now. For, there were some transfers. I guess I can quickly go through some transfers. Jorge joins Flamengo, joins Palmeiras, excuse me, from Monaco um, on a free. Elric, he's a left, uh, 23-year-old left winger. He joins Sierra from Sporting Braga in Portugal as um, for a total fee of 440,000 U.S. dollars. Ayrton Souza uh, swaps Serie B's Cruzeiro for Sierra as well. So Sierra picking up some guys. Uh, Jesus Cabrera, a Colombian 30-year-old, joins Cuiabá on a free from América de Cali. Uh, Renato Augusto, 33-year-old CDM, joins Corinthians on a free from the Chinese Super League side Beijing Goyan. All right, Luan Perez has joined Olympic Marseille. He has left uh, Santos 5 million. We know Gerson has left uh, Flamengo for a large sum of money. He also joins uh, Marseille. 
Juninho swaps uh, Palmeiras for Denmark's Michelin. And Mateus Fernandes um, enters. He goes to Palmeiras on a free from Barcelona B. And the Catalan side, as they continue to try to cut wages, they are offloading players. This is a great time to be getting some Barcelona players. And I'm talking about FC Barcelona, of course, in La Liga. I'm not talking about Ecuador's Barcelona SC, who I talk about a lot on this podcast. Um, so here are the round 14 results, okay? The results from this weekend starting yesterday. So we did have one postponement. Fluminense and Juventus did not play yesterday. But São Paulo, Palmeiras, nil-nil at the Morombi. And those are the first points dropped by Palmeiras, as I said, in nine or in ten. Nine straight victories. They finally dropped points to their São Paulo state rivals, which is the, the São Paulo FC at the Morombi. Also nil-nil in Porto Alegre. Inter, nil. Cuiabá, nil. In Bragança, uh, Paulista, it is a win to the side. We talked about the, the upstarts. Red Bull, Bragantino, 1-0 winners over Grêmio and the Tricolor, despite having brought in Luis Felipe Scolari, Big Phil, Filipão, to lead their side, continuing to struggle. They're out of the Copa Sudamericana, if I'm not mistaken, um, and they continue to struggle in the Brasileirão. They are in the relegation zone right now, or they are close to it, um, and Red Bull Bragantino pick up three more points. And then today's match is in the Mineiro in Belo Horizonte. It is Atlético Mineiro to Atlético Paranaense. Nil Paranaense, of course, like we said, has a big Copa Sudamericana matchup this week. Atlético Mineiro have the quarterfinals in the Copa Libertadores. They're about to face a River Plate. This is a this is a massive round for them. So big, big result for them to pick up a 2-0 win on the eve of a match of that magnitude. Corinthians hosting Flamengo today at the Arena uh, Corinthians, and it is the visiting side, the defending champions, managed, of course, by Hanato Gaúcho, picking up another victory. It is Flamengo going in and beating Corinthians 3-1, and it is now another victory for for Flamengo, and that makes it, I believe now, se- I said seven straight. Yeah, seven straight in all competitions. Um, six of them under the leadership of Renato Gaúcho. Three more points for the champions. They get their goals from Everton, Ribeiro, and then two more from the very, very on-form Bruno Henrique. He is returning to his 2019 form. I am excited. He is one of my favorite players in all of football. Um, I desperately wanted my club in Portugal, Benfica, to sign him, to purchase him. I know he's 29 years old or whatever, but I, I just, I love this player. He wasn't as good. He didn't have as good of a 2020. He struggled last season, but he is regaining his 2019 form right now, just scoring at, at will. And he just moves so freely on the ball. He has such fluid movements. Such good vision. He sets up play his teammates. He finishes well. Flamengo are flying high right now. Um, you can see that they have their eyes on the prize, and they have a they have a quarterfinal matchup this week as well in in Copa Libertadores. Uh, they are going to be on the road, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this week. They are traveling. No, they are home this week. They do not have Copa. 
Libertadores this week, apparently. They're going to play a week later. They got they got Copa do Brasil this week. Uh, Thursday, they'll travel to play ABC. Um, but another victory in the Brasileiro here for the Mingo. Again, goals from Everton Ribeiro and from Bruno Henrique. They are just on fire. Uh, Bahia drop a, a tough one at home to Sparch Hesifi. Sparch Hesifi are, are a club that is always in that zone there between the relegation and the Copa Sudamericana. It's a very small window. You're either fighting relegation or you're fighting for a spot in the Copa Sudamericana. At the end of the season, there'll be, I think, two places in between those two uh, distinctions. But um, big, big three points for Sparch Hesifi. Chapacoense drop a tough one at home to Santos. Santos go in uh, to Santa Catarina and win 1-0. Atlético Goianense won. América Mineiro won. And Sierra won. Fortaleza. Oh, sorry. Sierra 3. Fortaleza won. And we talked about Fortaleza, but they now find themselves dropping a point, uh, dropping points here um, as they were keeping they were keeping pace with the front of the table. You can say they still are. Again, in Brazil, two, three, uh, three, six points is not a lot to make up. Teams go on win streaks; they go on losing streaks. It's not uncommon in this league. Uh, so, on the t- in the table now in the Brasileiro, it is Palmeiras, the reigning Copa Libertadores winners. They're top of the table right now, thirty-two points from fourteen matches, one point better than. Atletico Mineiro, who have 31 points. And then it is said Fortaleza, the surprise team, another one of the surprise teams. They're in third right now on 27, the same amount of points as Red Bull Bragantino, who are regaining their form. Bragantino have 27 as well. Both of them have played 14 matches. Fortaleza, one goal better in goal difference. Flamengo back up the table now in fifth. They have 24 points. They're one point better. Then Atletico Paranaense at this point, who are in six of 23. Seventh belongs to Ceará. They have 22 points. You can see just how tight this table is. Um, as we're now in the Copa Sudamericana places, eighth place belongs right now to Santos Football Club. They uh, have 19 points, as do Atletico Goianes, also 19 points. Goal difference has the side uh, that, you know, Pelé's former side ahead of Atletico Goianes at this moment. Bahia are 10th with 17. Also on 17 are Corinthians and Fluminense. Fluminense with the match in hand, however, as they did not play this weekend. Juventud are right below them in 13th. They have 16 points. Internacional are 14th right now on 15. Sports Recife, 14 points. Their 15th place. Cuiaba, the promoted side, above the relegation zone right now by one point. And you have some giants in the relegation zone, 17th place, São Paulo, a club of such history, a club of such dimension, of such such mystic, such a mystical club. They've won the they've won the Brazilian title so many times. They've won the the Paulistão, the São Paulo state title so many times. They've won the Copa Libertadores. They're in the relegation zone right now, fellas, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my friends. They are in the relegation zone right now. They have 12 points from 14 matches. America Mineiro, also a promoted side. They've got 11. They are 18th. 19th belongs to Scolati's Gremio. They've really got to pull themselves out of it. They are a giant club also. 
a year ago they were in the semifinals of the Copa oh, two years ago in the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores. Last year they were in the final of the Copa do Brasil. And now this year they are in 19th place with only seven points from 12 matches. Only one victory this year so far for the Tricolor from Porto Alegre, from Rio Grande do Sul. And unfortunately, everybody's sentimental favorite, Chapacoense, are in last place, 20th place right now, only four points from 14 matches. Top goal scorers now in the Brasileiro. We have three players with seven goals. It is Bruno Henrique, a guy I talked about just a moment ago from Flamengo. Seven goals, none of them from the penalty spot. Uh, Bahia's Gilberto is second with seven goals, one of them from the penalty spot. And uh, Juventud's Mateus Peixoto, seven goals as well, two of his from the penalty spot. You have four guys with six goals there. You got Robson from Fortaleza, Italo of Bragantino, Hulk. Remember Hulk? He, he, he now plays for Atlético Mineiro, former FC Porto and Zenit St. Petersburg star. Has six goals. Edenilson Edenil of Inter has six as well. And then a whole host. No, we've only got two, I will, so I'll say their names. Palmeiras' Breno Lopes has five, as does Elton of Cuiabá. That is the top ten goal scorers in Brasileirão. Let's move now to Argentina as they just kicked off their league a couple weeks ago. Let's get up to speed in the is it the Superliga they call in the Liga Nacional, uh, the Liga Profesional, excuse me. All right, we'll look at this week's fixtures, and there's a whole host of matches on Monday as well. But starting with Thursday night's matches, we'll we'll go back as far as Thursday, the 29th of July. Uh, we have Central Cordoba de Santiago 2, Tajeres 1, Arsenal Sarandi 1, Argentinos Juniors 0, Gimnasia La Plata 1, Rosario Central 0, Newell's Old Boys, Rosario's arch rivals 4, Estudiantes La Plata 2. On Saturday, July the 31st, we got Colón 1, Godoy Cruz 0. Lanús 1, Union 1, Racing 1, Sarmiento 0, uh, Club Atlético Platinense 1, Independiente 1, today's or Sunday's matches, Defensa y Justicia 3, Gimnasia La Plata 2, Tajeres in action again, 0-0 against the champions, Boca Juniors, the re reigning champions. There are rivals River Plate, one. Huracan, one. And San Lorenzo, one. Banfield, one. Monday's matches, Argentinos Juniors versus Central Cordoba. Uh, Patronato de Paraná will host Newell's Old Boys. Estudiantes host Arsenal Sarandi. And Rosario Central host Aldo Civi, as well as Atlético Tucumán hosting Balez Sarsfield. The table, as it stands right now, through four rounds now in Argentina. San Lorenzo lead, and they have eight points, and they share the lead with Independiente, also on eight points, and Racing, also on eight points. There's a lot of teams in the Argentine league. Uh, 
in fourth place right now, only one point behind them, is River Plate on seven. Also on seven is Lanús and Colón. Brings us to seventh place where the teams with six points start to appear. A uh, whole bunch of them here. Newell's Old Boys are seventh with six points. Also on six points, Patronato de Paraná, Banfield, Atletico Tucumán, and Godoy Cruz. Twelfth place is Gimnasia La Plata with five, as is Huracan Tigeres have four. So do Central Cordoba, Argent Argentinos Juniors, Defensa Justicia, Arsenal, Sarandi, all with four points. Estudiantes in 19th with three. Uh, Rosario Central also on three. This is from three matches. And then the champions, Boca Juniors, are in 21st place right now. Uh, they've played four. They've actually played a match more than the teams around them in the table, and they've only got three points right now. They were wrapped up in Copa Libertadores, and um, there was a long stoppage also of play in Argentina. Some of these teams are lacking fitness. Uh, they were shut down due to a, the research of, of COVID in in um, in Argentina. And there's something here in the chat that I'm going to get rid of that is – and that is the last we will see of Surf Dog. He has been blocked. Um, where was I there before I was interrupted by some racist commentary in the chat? Anyone that saw that, I do apologize. I obviously will not repeat it. Uh, that user has been blocked. Um, I was talking about Boca Juniors. Okay. Um, I think they, they have come out of the, the stoppage due to the pandemic not well. Uh, they did not look good in the two matches against against um, Atletico Mineiro in the Copa Libertadores. They have not looked good in this Superliga Argentina or the Liga Profesional, as they're calling it now. Uh, they really need to get it together. I know that you know they're trying to sell players as well. It's a tough time to be a big club right now in South America. You know, revenue is not coming in the way they're used to. They can't fill La Bombo, uh, They can't fill La Bombonera at all, and um, uh, same goes for their rivals. You know, River Plate's also struggling. But right now, Boca Juniors 21st place in the Argentine League. Aldo Civi is in 22nd, also on three points. And all still with three points is Sarmiento. They're 23rd. Velez Sarsfield has 24. They got two points. Um, 25th place is Platense. They have two, and Union also on two in 26. Yes, there are 26 teams in the Argentine first division. Uh, each team will pl they'll play one match, I believe, against each other. And that is that is the league. Um, the first half of the season, they play the Copa de la Liga, where they play everybody once as well, or they play several teams once. In the end of the season, it comes out to a normal 38-match season for the Argentine teams. Um, but the, this Liga format, everyone plays each other once. All right. Let's go to the fix. Let's go to the uh, league leaders here in the Argentine league, and it is Lanús's Jose Sand leading with five goals right now. Uh, behind him, three players with three: Manuel Castro of Huracan, Nicolas de la Cruz of River Plate, and Racing's Ramiro Carrera with uh, with three, and then a whole host of players, a ton of players. 15 or so with two goals. That wraps up Liga Argentina. Let's go to our final league that we're going to talk about tonight as this show draws near to a close. Thank you again to everybody 
who stayed up with me on both coasts tonight. Uh, we are going to Mexico, okay, where they're very down about their national team. However, however, we've got uh, a lot of action going on in the domestic league, and you know the the uh, fans of the club game are focused on their clubs. As we'll take a look now at round two of Liga Mekis. We didn't get to cover uh, round one, but we will now bring up round two. This is the Liga Mekis Apertura 2021. And starting the round off, there's one game left to play that will be played later tonight. But Friday, the round started off with Mezatlan winning 2-1 at home to Pachuca. Puebla beaten 2-0 at their home by Chivas. Chivas pick up a big road win. And then on Saturday, Leon 2, Tijuana, Cholos 1. America get back in the win column after a tough uh, opening round draw to Ketaro. They host Necaxa and they win 2-1. to one. America get their goals from Diego Reyes and Miguel and from, sorry, Salvador Reyes. Not the, They have two Reyes on the team now. Uh, they get their goal from Salvador Reyes. He was assisted by younger Lainez. That's Mauro Lainez, the younger brother of former America, current Mexico Olympic team, uh, and and Real Betis player Diego Lainez. And the second goal for America came from Alvaro Fidalgo, one of their stars. Uh, Nicax's goal comes from Alex Zandejas. In the end, it is the Azul Crema winning two to one. America get their first victory of the season. Monterrey manages to get a 2-0 victory over Pumas. This is a big match, especially since Monterrey are missing Rogelio Funes Mori. We talked about him at the top of the show. He's at the Gold Cup with Mexico. Atlas, 2-0 winners at home at the Jalisco over Juarez. Then Sunday's matches, Toluca beat Tigres 3-1. And Santos Laguna won in the Champions Cruz Azul. One, the match Monday, late Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern time on 2DNA. It's it's Atletico San Luis, the little brother of Atletico Madrid, hosting Querétaro. All right, the table in Liga MX right now. Toluca lead with six points. Also on six points is Mezatlan FC. They are the two with, that are perfect right now. Two victories from two matches. Santos Laguna are third with four points. Fourth with also with four points is Monterrey. The Reados uh, have a win and a draw. Three goals for one allowed. Atlas are fifth also on four points, as is America in sixth. Goal difference is the difference right now between all of these teams. Pachuca seventh with three points. Chivas also on three points in eighth. Atletico San Luis with three points, but they have a match in hand. They've only played once. They're going to play Monday night. If they win, they can join the other two at the top of the table with six points. Tigres in 10th with three points. Leon with three points in 11th. Querétaro have one. They lead off the the five-some, it looks like, of team. No, four-some of teams with one point. It is Querétaro in 12th. Champions Cruz Azul in 13th with just one point. Puebla. 14th with just one point, and Pumas with one point. Now for the three teams with zero points at this point in the season, uh, Cholos Tijuana have no points. Necaxa and Juarez round out the table. 12 will advance to the Liguilla with the bottoms, uh, with four advancing to the quarterfinals. 
and the remaining eight playing in the wild card round um, or the reclassification, as they call it in Mexico in Liga Mekis. Let's look at the top scorers for now. In after two rounds in Liga Mekis, and it is a couple of uh, a total of five players with two goals. It is Alex Canelo of Toluca, Camilo Sanvezzo of Mazatlan, Duvan Vergara of Monterrey, Victor Guzman of I want to say that's Pachuca, I believe. And Diego Valdez of Santos Laguna, all with two goals. Next week's fixtures in Liga MX. Why don't we take a look at those before we go? Starting on Thursday, Querétaro, our home. They get a lot of Thursday night games at home. I don't know why, but they get a lot of Thursday night games at home. They also, their last home match was a Thursday nighter to open the league against Club America, the biggest club in Mexico. But uh, Querétaro host León, the champions from a year ago. Not the reigning champions, but from the last Apertura season. León were the champions. Then Friday, three on the docket for Friday. An 8 p.m. kickoff Eastern time, of course. Uh, Mezatlan hosting Monterrey. And then at 10.05, Necaxa host Cruz Azul and Tijuana host Toluca. On Saturday, Chivas host Juarez. América host Puebla. And Tigres host Santos. Sunday, Pumas versus Atletico San Luis, 1 p.m. Eastern time. They love those noon kickoffs in Mexico City. Does Pumas at the old Olympic Stadium there. And Monday, we have Pachuca hosting Atlas. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me tonight. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. That's still at PTB underscore media. All right, I'm going to try to have more content coming for you this week. I can't promise it. My workflow right now is absolutely insane. Um, I have bosses away on business, and I am running my department essentially uh, with no help, and it's driving me insane, to be honest. I haven't been able to bring you the content I've wanted to this past week. Um, Worst-case scenario, I'll be back here next Sunday night at the at an earlier time because we don't have a late-night uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup final to wait for. So I'll be back at the 8 p.m., 9 p.m. area somewhere. Um, I will tweet that out. Um, make sure you follow me on my personal Twitter. I'm using that one now. I'm connecting both of my shows, okay, and both of my websites to this one personal Twitter. I find, I want to build that that back up. It's at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. All right. Um, I also have a season finale of Mr. Benfica dropping tomorrow. I'll be recording that tomorrow. Um, and then later in the week, I'll have the season premiere because Benfica take on, uh, Spartak Moscow this week in champions league qualifying. So for me, the new season starts this week, um, and more parking the bus stuff coming. We're getting ready. We're going to be ramping up for the Euro leagues. Um, I'm going to try to get something out midweek to you or late in the week. I can't promise it, but the hope is to have something out late week Friday. I'm going to be probably recording Mr. Benfica. So I don't know that I'll have a, a parking the bus episode dropping Friday. Again, worst case scenario, I'll have a real crammed episode next Sunday. But um, for now, uh, we'll see. Just just follow me on Twitter. I will I will tweet out what's going on. And, um, of course, follow you know the PTB Media Network on Instagram as well. And you can follow me on Instagram personally as well. That's at magostino20. So it's at M-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O-2-0. 
Um, I will post that in the show notes for those of you listening to the podcast. And um, I'll I'll post more information there as well. But that's going to do it for this episode 67. Thank you for joining me. It has been my pleasure as always. Congratulations once again to the United States winning the CONCACAF Gold Cup, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They're playing over in Tokyo right now. I'm going to double check. Uh, for those of you that are still with me live, I believe there is matches going on right now or perhaps very, very soon. It looks like, uh, let's see right now, anything going on live. Nothing is going on live right now, but coming up very soon. Okay, we're about two hours away from kickoff. USA women versus Canada women in Tokyo. Also, Australia women versus Sweden women in Tokyo later this morning, uh, three hours later. Those are the semifinals. Okay, we're in the medal round in the Olympic Games. Um, It it doesn't look like we have men's football today in the Olympic Games. Uh, So it is the women today, and I'll take another look in tomorrow. Yeah, we got the men's semifinals tomorrow. That's uh, at least tomorrow here in North America. It'll be Wednesday in Japan. But it is Mexico taking on uh, Brazil. And then the other semifinal is Japan taking on Spain. So that's where we stand. And I'll see you next week here on Parking the Bus. Thank you again for joining the Mr. Mike Agustinho here signing off. And I'll see you next time. Enjoy your week, everybody. La vida se define en una decisión. Se prepara la revolución Banderas en el aire y sube la emoción Un juego se convierte en una religión Sube la respiración, lo siento por dentro Solo tengo una misión, fuerte como el viento Fuera como el aire, este sentimiento Corre y corre la pasión, juega con el corazón